This is part one of my conversation with Jeff Fields. Be sure to check out part two next week as we dive in further what it means to be free in Christ through his grace on the Resolute Men Podcast. You're listening to the Resolute Men Podcast. We have conversations with men who share how putting their faith into action has changed their lives and has empowered them to impact others. Now, on to today's episode. I'm very excited to have on the Resolute Men podcast today, Jeff Fields. Jeff was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky, where he currently resides. He and his wife, Teresa, have been married for 38 years. They have six children and 10 grandchildren. Jeff was a full-time pastor in Stanton, Kentucky for 10 years, but since 1993, he has been working in the financial service industry. He enjoys an occasional round of golf. He and his brother, Roger, have written a book called Breaking the Hex back in 2017, and they have done a weekly podcast called The Field Brothers Show for over the past few years. Jeff enjoys sharing the good news of the new covenant of grace and the new life we also get to enjoy on this side of the cross. Jeff, welcome to the Resolute Men podcast. Thank you, Rob. It is great to be with you today. Been looking forward to this and uh, appreciate what you're doing to to help um, get the word out. Yeah, I I appreciate that. Um, You know, Jeff, the way I came across you is, you know, um, we kind of talked before we recorded here a little bit about this, uh, but my wife and I have come to find uh, the blessing of grace being in God's grace and in a relationship with him. And, you know, I came across a couple of podcasts and then yours popped up and, and uh, I tell you, I, I, as a, as a recommendation, so I, I dove into it and I have to be honest with you every morning as I'm driving to work, I'm listening to you guys kind of get caught up and uh, <laughs> it's, it's great, man. You guys have a lot of fun, but you really we dive do. into the word and, and uh, I, I find it very refreshing. Yeah, we, we really enjoy uh, doing that. We, that and I don't even remember exactly how long we've done that. We we have a book that we wrote that was about I know when that came out. That came out in September of seventeen. But it was I don't know probably maybe the next year or so when we started the podcast. And we took at one point during the time we took a break for a few months. But other than that, uh, we've been uh, you know publishing one a week ever since then. And we never run out of. It's usually just the two of us, as you know. You know, we there have been I think three times we've had a guest on it, and and we always talk about having guests, but we always have a, I guess we have some stuff that we kind of want to talk about. It's kind of like we're we're never short on material, and um, but we enjoy getting together, and and we don't we plan almost none of it in advance, and so we like getting each other's reaction spontaneously. You know, so if one has a topic to bring up or a question, you know, we like kind of springing it on the other just to see how they uh how they respond uh off the top of their head type of thing so we have a lot of fun but it's called the fields brothers show so yes and i i recommend uh those listening to the resolute men podcast to check it out um you can find that on itunes i'm sure you guys are on spotify as well jeff yeah i think we are yeah yeah are. so it, it's great um it's like i said it's been eye-opening for myself um i i listened to it and the content that you guys share is, uh, you know, very in depth and uh, very scriptural based, and also uh, very relational based, which it lets us know what it, what it means to have that, you know, real relationship in Christ, not working on on efforts. And we're we're going to dive into some questions as we get into this a little bit, and I'm I'm sure uh, you you'll be able to share a, a lot more about that. But 
I want yeah, to give our, you. Our, yeah. One time I was going to real quick. That maybe remind, uh, reminded yeah. me. One time a listener of our podcast mentioned there's something along the lines that it gave her mental whiplash because <laughs> we 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 jump around from topic to topic and different things. Some have no, absolutely nothing to do with anything of eternal significance. You know, sometimes it's just funny stuff that we've read about or something that's happened locally in Kentucky news or whatever. Uh, we're, we're both in the central Kentucky area. And um, so it's not a, uh, you know, it's not like we have one theme that goes throughout the entire podcast that we develop or anything like that. We jump around and keep it. Moving, so. No, I, it's great. You know, I, there is a hint of ADD in there. I can see that. And, <laughs> and I have that too, but I, I really appreciate it. But I, yeah, I know sometimes I'm, I feel like, hey, I'm listening to the news here. What's going on? You know, locally, I'm getting in tune with what's going on in Kentucky and then, but yeah. you guys do a, an amazing transition of, of getting right into things. So it's, it's awesome, man. I, I, I want to give you an opportunity just to share a little bit about yourself because you have an interesting background, you know, what's kind of led you to, you know, uh, this, this relationship in grace, especially being a, a former pastor. Can you uh, dive in a little bit about, you know, where you've been and, and what you got going on now? Yeah, I'll I'll kind of jump in and, and then uh, you know if, if 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 I'm talking too much or too long and drags out, then feel free to interrupt me and, and all this. But um, you know, born and raised here in, in Lexington, Kentucky, where I live now, and Roger and my older brother Roger and I just you know, it was four of us in the family. Mom, Dad, we were blessed with uh, wonderful Christian parents. Um, uh, our dad passed away several years ago. Uh, Mom's still very healthy and independent. We're thankful for that and a huge uh, supporter of us, encourager uh, to us. But I grew up attending, you know, traditional congregation, pretty large congregation for that time. So uh, I just turned 60 uh, last fall. So I grew up in the 60s and 70s, born in 61. And a congregation we grew up in here in Lexington was pretty good size, uh, you know, several hundred or a thousand or more by the time we were in high school. So that was back when there weren't too many churches that size. And, um, you know, grew up and I'm thankful that we grew up being taught that, you know, the Bible is... uh, you know, this is scripture and uh, of utmost importance that Jesus Christ is Lord and he died for our sins and we need to, you know, it's good to focus on eternal things. And so uh, we were taught all that and can't remember a time when that wasn't foremost. And, and I'm thankful for that. But looking back, I also see that, you know, there was a lot about the, the, the you know, we, I heard the term good news the whole time growing up. I learned early on gospel means good news. Right. But it's really just been in the last I don't know, five or 10 years that I've really come to see that. I mean, you know, we, we throw the term around good news, but, you know, I didn't realize how good the good news actually is uh, until several mm. years ago. You know, I grew up, we, we kind of equated, you know, it wasn't taught this overtly, but, but it was kind of, you know, devotion to God and devotion to that local congregation were pretty much one and the same. You know, yeah. if you wanted to be all out for God, then you were all out for that particular congregation and its programs and its meetings and uh, financially. Of course, I was just a kid growing up, so finances weren't a big deal for me then. But so um, but then later. But, you know, I you know, I never really knew for sure mm-hmm. that, you know, OK, if I died or something, would you know, do I know for sure I'd go to heaven? And it was always you, know, you always have this gnawing feeling like you're not, you know, I'm not quite done enough. I've not quite measuring up. And, um, so anyway, with that, uh, with that whirlwind of, uh, insecurity, I took off for Bible college after high school and I didn't know for sure what I wanted to do, but Roger, my older brother was already in Bible college. So I thought, well, why not? So I, I uh, enrolled in an Ozark Bible college in Joplin, Missouri. It's now called Ozark Christian college. 
and um, began to take Bible classes. And somewhere along the way, had an opportunity to preach a little bit on the weekend. So um, did that and then decided, you know, I think I can become a pastor. So it wasn't like there was some, you know, super spiritual experience of a calling or a moment in time or anything like that. So, um, but it was in Bible college where I first kind of came to the realization that our eternal position is by grace through faith. I remember sitting in a class, uh, the professor was talking about uh, Galatians chapter two, and that one verse, I think it's around 16 or 17, where three times in one verse, it says that we're justified not by works of law, uh, but by faith. And he pointed out that the word, you know, it's by works of law, that the word the is not even in the original language. It's not mm. the law. I mean, all it applies to that in terms of the Mosaic law, but just any law that we're not justified by works of law, that mm. by what we do, that it's a gift by grace. And I, and my eyes were open that day. And, and that kind of was a beginning point to realize, okay, hey, that, you know, that, then I start to think, okay, yeah, that, that's kind of good news, you know, but I, you know, I didn't get that so much growing up. But then, um, you know, from there on for many years, and then while I was preaching, so I, I was a full-time pastor from 1983 to 93, uh, Stanton Christian Church in Stanton, Kentucky, and vol- uh, resigned voluntarily after that, after 10 years. Uh, my wife and I at that time had four children. We eventually had six, but at that time we had four. And, um, you know, so I resigned and, and I always feel a little bit of a, uh, a need. Maybe this is my own defensiveness. I don't know. But I, whenever I tell people that, you know, I was a pastor, you know, I always quickly add in that we resigned voluntarily. There were no <laughs> scandals. There was no money missing. There were no marriages broken up or anything like that. So, you know, I've had the same wonderful wife since, uh, since right before we went there. But, uh, and, the, and the folks in the church were very good to us, you know, and my heart goes out to a lot of pastors that have had really horrendous experiences in local congregations, mm-hmm. and uh, that was not our story, so I'm thankful for that. The, the folks were very good to us. We still have a lot of good friends there. Um, I just felt like that was not the role I wanted to be in, and, you know, I saw it as kind of a, a catch-22 in a sense that in, in that structure with that type of local congregation, and, and it's not that they're, you know, bad, that type of thing, but it, and it was like so much depends on one person. And so I felt like in that role, and it was a congregation, Sunday morning attendance was maybe 125, 130, 135, something like that. And they were good to us. It was not real demanding. And so I didn't have that problem. And, but it was like, you know, the, the better, the better everything went, the more everything depended on me. I thought, okay, that's not right. And I began to read some stuff. And, and for me, my early days in Bible college, I had a real heart desire to see the church operate as the body of Christ and function as the body of Christ and ministering one to another. So the whole structure of where so much depends on one person yeah. who's up behind the pulpit on Sunday morning, I'm just kind of, I just felt like there's something not quite right here. We're not mm. really ministering to one another. And so I, I didn't want to be the guy up front. Um, and so, but what do you do though? You know, I'm, I'm living in a parsonage. So the church owned the house that we were in, you know, that's my source of income. I'm married and we have four little kids. And so, you know, to leave that is a, is no small decision, but, yeah. uh, so for various reasons, various ways, I, I ended up resigning. Uh, I was a part-time hospice chaplain at the time. So I kept that going. So I had hopes that might go full-time but never did go full-time, but so we resigned, and um, which meant we had to move too, because you know the church owned the house that we were in. That was part of the compensation get a house to live in. So we moved. Um, it was about an hour from Lexington. We moved to Winchester, Kentucky, and um, I think okay, I'll just find 
some other jobs. So we moved to Winchester and uh, still working as a part-time hospice chaplain. And it was just a couple months after that, a friend of mine who was in the financial services industry as a financial advisor, he asked me if I'd want to come work with him. And I never even dreamed of that. So this Mm -hmm. was a couple months after we had left Stanton. But he gave me that opportunity, and I needed more of a job than just a, a day and a half a week at hospice chaplain. So I um, didn't know anything about investments or anything like that. So, But I went to work for him, and I kind of learned it working for him. And uh, then he and I worked together for uh, several years, seven or eight, let's see, nine, about nine years or so. He and I worked together. Then I made a move to another institution, and he graciously allowed me to go. So I've worked in the financial services industry ever since late 1993. Oh, wow. um, so there's more I'll get into here, but in terms of grace and the new covenant, all that, but that's kind of the, so we've lived in, in Lexington since 1997. So we lived in Winchester for four years, 97 moved to, to Lexington. So that might be more than you wanted in terms of no, no, the that, details of all that or not. But. No, no, that's, that's really good. I, I mean, I, no, no need to apologize there. That's awesome stuff because it really kind of goes into where our next question is, you know, as, as you said, you're a pastor, at one time. Can you just share a little bit about your time in that role and how you were called out of the ministry? And and, I know you kind of, you mentioned a little bit about it, but like um, share as much as you're comfortable with, like what kind of led you as we get ready to dive into the grace message here a little bit, like what what was that eye opening moment of things going on, you know, that you just felt like, okay, you know what, this is time to go um, and cause you know, you, you did mention about your, your eyes were open about the grace message and stuff, but maybe dive in a little bit more about, you know, like kind of what really led to all that. It was, it was more of a, I mentioned earlier, listen, it wasn't a one moment type of thing, but right. just more and more of a desire. It was, it was kind of more by what I wanted to experience in church life. You know, I mentioned yeah. earlier that I, you know, I didn't like the idea of so much depending on one person. Right. And so that's where the catch 22 came in. Okay. The better I am, quote unquote, better I am. And I, and I would have considered myself, honestly, as middle of the road average in terms of pastoral abilities and things like that. But the better the pastor does, the more everything depends on him. Well, the more everything depends on him, the farther away we get from yeah. really functioning as a body and ministering to one another. And so I just saw, you know, that there's just, that's a dead end, seemed to be a dead end street. And, and I remember thinking, that, um, you know, the verse in John 10 that, that Jesus talks about, you know, I'm the good shepherd, and he talks about a hireling. And I remember reading that thinking, okay, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm more of a hireling. You know, it's not that I didn't care about the people. It's not that I didn't want to do good. It's not, you know, I wanted to see God work. I wanted to see touch lives. Sure. But, but I was basically a hireling. You know, they, mm-hmm. they were paying me a salary to kind of do the job of a shepherd. Because, I mean, when... Yeah, we went there straight out of, I graduated from Bible college in 1983. I was 21 years old. My wife was 19. She was only one year out of high school when we got married. And eight days after we got married, I preached, my, you know, I started preaching there at Stanton Christian Church. So you imagine that a small town hmm. uh, pastor, I'm 21 and she's 19, you know, so what, wow. what could possibly go wrong with that? Well, you know, <laughs> the truth is not a whole lot did go wrong. I mean, yeah. it actually, you know, and, and they were, I guess I mentioned earlier, they were wonderful. So we were there 10 years. And um, I had the four children, but just realized, okay, this is not, it it might've been too the fact that we had kids growing up because at that Mm -hmm. point you start thinking, okay, what type of congregation do I want my kids to grow up in? Right. And so that might've had a little something to do with it. And and I specifically remember thinking that, okay, the only, the main reason to stay, if not the only reason to stay 
was the paycheck. Mm. And so, you know, that's a pretty, that's not a small reason though, you know, when you're married, <laughs> you got four children. So, um, but I kind of came to the conclusion, okay, it's, it's not really the church board that's supporting us. It, it's God who's supporting us. And yeah. he's done that through the church board and through that organization, but perhaps he has some other way to doing that. And a part of what, and I kind of laugh about it now looking back, but I came across a, a cassette tape series. I don't know how I got these. So this was 1993. So this is, I wasn't on the internet yet. Didn't know hardly anything about the internet. A tape series talked about home businesses, the businesses that had like 20 or 30 different home businesses you could run. And so I thought, well, maybe I can get one of those to, to work. And so that, that kind of gave me a little bit of the nudge to think, okay, maybe there's something else. And of course it, it never went that direction. And I'm glad now it didn't. But um, so I decided, okay, the only reason to stay is the paycheck and maybe God has something store. So it wasn't, you know, I don't see it as, you know, I've changed my thinking a little bit through the years about how God works and leading and making decisions, you know, um, and I don't know really the best way to describe it. So, I mean, I, I typically don't even term it as, you know, God led me or something like, you know, right. Christ lives in us. Christ is our life. And so I think God Amen. gives us the desires, you know, if we're one with him, this is part of the new covenant that we'll talk about grace, you know, if we're one with him and, and we're in him and he is in us, and Christ is my life. At some point I want to talk about when I came to that realization, that was early on actually sure. during our years at Stanton. But if Christ is my life, it's not, it's not like, Christ and I, you know, we're not, op we're not competitors. We're not opponents. Yeah. And so when there's a big decision to make, it's not like, okay, am I going to do what I want to do? Or am I going to do what God wants me to do? Well, you know, I think God puts it on our heart, what he wants us to do. Mm. Now that, that doesn't mean it's always pleasant. That doesn't mean it's always easy, but our new heart, you know, in the new covenant, and I'm sure, you know, this is what you're coming, you know, you've come to see, you know, in the new covenant, we are made new. You know, we are a new creation. We've been born again. And so we have a new spirit. The old self is crucified. And so it's not a matter of, am I going to do what Jesus wants me to do? Or am I going to do what Jeff wants me to do? Well, you know, I, my identity is now Christ in me. So mm. the question is, what does Christ in me want to do? Because it's, it's me, it's the new me. And so I felt my heart, you know, I, I think I can't describe that better now looking back on it, but at the time it was you know, I just didn't want to stay there in that situation. And so I don't think it's a matter of Jesus versus Jeff or God versus Jeff. I, you know, I think that, that so does that, I guess that answers the question. Yeah, no, way. you're on, you're on point with that, you know, and I think, you know, you know, not to kind of get off topic, but and you already answered this, you know, that, you know, you explained about how your relationship looks different now, you know, kind of, you know, how it was then, you know, in regards to, as being a pastor, because I think as a pastor, you, you feel like, you know, you have to hold this certain image for one. You have to hold this certain regard. <laughs> yeah. And and you got some people in the congregation saying, well, we are paying you. Right. Yeah. So you feel like you got this. Yeah. And then also it's like, I got to also show I got it together. And then there's pressure on the wife. She's got to show that she's got it all together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's just, you know, and it's just the stress. And I don't think any, you know, that a pastor goes into that role with that expectation. They actually feel called into the ministry. And right. I think as they get in there, then the business side and then the pressures and then everybody has these expectations and you always feel like you're being judged. And what if I say the wrong thing or if I do the wrong thing? What if they see me over here and I, you know, and and, you know, are they going to judge me for it? Whatever it may be. And I think as you're seeing now, a lot of the institutional churches, churches, there's a lot of burnout that's happening. Place. Oh, yeah. It doesn't sound like for you, 
that was your case. You just, you, you discovered something new that I would like to get you to kind of share that it's not new. It's, it's actually been given to us as uh, you know, in, in the new Testament, particularly after Christ's death is this new covenant of grace. So I'd like to give you an opportunity to kind of share how things look different now for you in the grace, you know, understanding what grace is versus where you were before as a pastor. Okay. Yeah. Great. The, you know, in short, a couple of words I think would be rest versus restlessness. Mm. You know, when I was a pastor, there was a constant and even after sometime after that, um, you know, it was amplified then, you know, but, but it was a restlessness. I'm just, I'm never doing enough. I got to do more. I'm not quite. I, I read something last night on, or I guess last night on Facebook, a friend of mine, Ralph Harris. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He mm-hmm. had a quote. Uh, he's written some things and, um, and um, he's out in, uh, in Colorado, but he talked about abiding in Christ. And he pointed out that, you know, this, when Jesus talked about abiding in Christ, he was talking to his disciples there in the upper room, but he was talking about a reality that was going, that wasn't, quite there yet you know he's describing this reality of abiding in him as what was going to take place after the cross and after the resurrection and it's what we now enjoy but where i was and i think a lot of people kind of fall into this trap i would read about abiding in christ and i'd read what other people read about abiding in christ and so I, and i would read about resting and all this stuff and so okay okay i've got i've got to abide in christ i need to abide in christ today okay well, how am i going to abide in christ and so mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. abiding in christ becomes some exalted spiritual level that I've got to figure out how to achieve or how to get into. And I knew it wasn't right. somehow I knew it wasn't workspace, but yet I didn't know what, you know, so, and what I've come to see since then, what Ralph pointed out in his uh, Facebook post that, um, you know, when we're in the new covenant, when we are one with Christ, when we receive Christ, we are abiding in him then, mm. you know, it's like, I, you know, physically I live in Lexington, Kentucky. I don't have to wake up every morning figuring out, and making a decision to live in Lexington, Kentucky. That's just where I am. And so it is with abiding in Christ. You know, when we're joined with him, we can wake up every morning, go to bed every night, knowing that I am abiding. So it's not a matter of, you know, we're not abiding one day and not the next. We are always in Christ. That phrase in Christ is all through scripture. So, but, so when I was there, there was a restlessness that continued after I left Stingenton, you know, the restlessness was no longer affiliated with the vocational, you know, there wasn't mm. a vocational type of restlessness, right. but just, you know, in general spiritual, that I still wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be the man of God that would be used mm. by God and that type of thing. But early on, you know, this whole thing, grace and new covenant, I've learned different people come to the realization different ways. And yeah. for a lot of people, it takes a long time. It took me a long time. I kind of wound up in a, in an odd way that there was, because there's different aspects of it, but, but one huge moment for me was Early on in our time of stand, I'd only been there for a few months. In 1980, we went there in Memorial Day weekend of 1983. It was my first Sunday preaching there full time. And that fall, I attended a conference um, up in uh, Indianapolis. It was just a handful of us meeting around tables. Um, but I heard a man share then about um, two truths that just opened my eyes. It, to this day, it's the single biggest spiritual experience I've ever had was mm-hmm. listening that day, a very ordinary speaker, just sitting around tables, going through a workbook, talked about Christ as our life. And he shared about the verses of, 
you know, uh, Jesus said, I am the way I am the truth. I am the life, not I give you life. I mm. am the life. And then John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm. Then Colossians three, when Christ who is your life, you know, not just first in your life, not just giver of what he is your life. And then first John, he who has the son has life. And I began, and he talked about the whole spirit, soul, and body thing, which was new to me. I mean, I graduated from Bible college, and I don't remember ever hearing about that threefold nature of, of man, you know, spirit, soul, and body. So either they didn't talk about it, or I was sleeping that day. I don't know why, but I, I, I'd never heard that before. The idea that, I, that we are spiritual beings and I have a spirit. And so that the idea that when we're born again, Christ comes to live within us, and then he is that life. And so... He's not, you know, we read, you know, you got to put Christ first in your life. You know, if he's not, you know, Lord of everything or Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I, I think all that just misses the point mm. of the reality of the good news of the gospel. And then the idea along with that is the idea of the Romans 6, 6, that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Right. So it's already done. And those two, you know, they're kind of two sides of the same coin there. And so that day, it, it was October 18th of 1983. Um, my eyes were open that I realized that my old self was dead. Mm. And I tell you, one of the greatest moments in the life of a believer is when their eyes are open to see that the old man is dead. Mm. And, and so that Christ is our life now that on the inside out, outside, obviously we look the same, some of the behavior, you know, unfortunately may not change that much at times that takes time, but in terms of who we are, our identity and I remember that day that the entire world looked so different to me for a few days there. And I realized, okay, I'm dead. I, my old self was crucified. I, Christ is my life. That, it's not a matter of me putting him first in my life. If I'm trying to put right. him first in my life, that, that says I still have a life. Right. I'm going to try to put him first in. That's not what's going on here. You know, My life ended at the cross. And so I dead to sin, and Christ is my life. Now, to be honest, you know, for two or three days, I was just ecstatic and giddy with this realization that the newness wore off and the emotional part of it and the feelings part of it wore off. Um, mm. Then, but then I, you know, I could not unsee what I had seen there. I knew that that was truth. And that was something that, that I, I know God revealed to me, his spirit revealed to me that day. And that, I mean, that's one thing I've become appreciated more. I don't know if I have time to talk about that of how, you know, there's nothing like the spirit of God, just revealing something to an individual. You know, now in this case, you know, this other person was sharing this with me that day. So it's not like I just, you know, was out sitting under a tree and boom, it hit me, but, but that's very different, you know, so it can obviously come through other people teaching, but, Mm. but it's not just mental, you know, it's not just information. It's not just intellectual information that I get. It was a spiritual eye open and there's all the difference in the world. You know, Peter's confession, Jesus said, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven revealed this to you. And so I saw that, but then I still, you know, somehow I still from, you know, that was 1983. So I continued to preach there for almost another 10 years, but still kind of a mixed, what we call a mixed gospel that I would Mm -hmm. teach that type of thing. But then I would also teach other things that really did not, were not consistent with that. And so, you know, still talking about got to deny ourselves and, um, take up her cross, you know, now I look back and that says, no, I don't need to deny myself. You know, I read these things and, and social media and hear sermons occasionally, you know, you gotta, you gotta deny yourself. You gotta take up your cross. And I hear that now I think, well, no, I really don't because 
I already have. You know, Christ did that for me. I already am crucified. I don't need to deny myself. He denied my old self for me. Right. I den- or, or you could say I deny myself in him. And so we are one now, First Corinthians 6, that we're one spirit. And so, I mean, if you, know, you think about it, if we've, you know, we know the scriptures and somehow we, we know all these scriptures in the new covenant, you know, you, a new creation, old things are passed away, all things become new. You've been born again. We're right. We've been made the righteousness of God. We know all that. And then at the same time, we'll turn around and quote the words of Jesus. You got to deny yourself and take up your cross and, and all this. And then we hear about denying ourselves. And I think, well, wait a minute. If I, if I'm new, if I really believe the gospel that I'm new, that I have a new heart, that Christ is my life, that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that I'm joined with one, why would I want to deny that? Mm. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, don't to, you don't want to deny yourself. You want to be yourself. That's one thing I've heard Andrew Farley talk about. That's a great way yeah. of saying it. He said, you know, life in Christ is basically, you know, you wake up every morning, you remember who you are in Christ, and then be yourself. Mm. So when we realize that, you know, if Christ is my life, if I'm going to deny myself, that means I'm denying Christ because Christ mm. is my life. You know, that doesn't mean I don't, I never, you know, I still do things. You know, I still have uh, behaviors at times that are not right, attitudes and actions or words that are not right. So it doesn't mean all of our behavior is always exactly what it should be and, and in line with, with righteousness. But when that happens, it doesn't come from who I am, you know, it, yeah. and so that makes a big difference. You know, I think too many, so many times in, in the way Christians are taught, they basically believe they have to live differently than who they are. They right. can't be themselves. That it's, and, and that's, you know, that you never win that way. It's just a lifelong struggle that way. So, yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it kind of ties in well to what I was going to ask you next is because, um, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions I think Christians make, in my opinion, is that they, um, you know, they think there's this behavioral modification. There's, they think there's something they have to do uh, to, in order to keep their faith active in Christ or to oh. keep their relationship in Christ, this works-oriented mentality. And you kind of hit on it, like you as a pastor, you were teaching Old Covenant theology mixed in with the new grace that you discovered in the new covenant. And it's like, you know, we kind of put this hodgepodge together, of, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're going back, but then we're going forward. Like, which is it, you know, are we yeah. staying back or are we going forward, you know? And it's like, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, that's what's, you know, I, I can speak for myself. That's kind of what messed me up. And, but what, you know, it, it just recently hit me, Jeff. I mean, like a couple months ago, I go back to the thief at the cross you know, when he's there hanging next to Jesus and he's just saying, Lord, will you, you know, will you remember me? He goes from this day forth, you'll be with me in paradise. There was no behavior modification. He didn't have time to change yeah. anything. Right. right? He's just hanging there and yeah. he says, all he yeah. had to do was what? Believe, you know, yeah. he believed who he was, period. Yeah. And I think us as Christians, we struggle with that. Like, yeah, but... And then you guys kind of talked about this in one of your episodes, you know, it's like, yeah, you believe, but there's always that, but, you know, and it's like, no, there is no, but in there, it's you believe in God, you believe Jesus, you believe that he died for your sins on this side of the cross. When he died and rose period, everything was filled when he said it was finished. You can check out previous episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. 
Join the conversation with us on Instagram and on ResoluteMen.org. 